Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. You're listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. And that. Okay. Right, so I'm now here. Well, I'm not here. Well, I am here, but... Uh, oh, that's a terrible way to begin. Right, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> no, we thought it was, it was great. <laughs> um, okay, right, I'm going to just keep rolling. So I'm here in, in my apartment. You, the listeners, are wherever you are. I don't know where you are. You're in the world, right? Um, in a car, maybe, in a library... Maybe even in an English class, listening to this secretly while your teacher is trying to, you know, get through to you. Um, if you are doing that, then, you know, put the podcast on pause. Focus on what you're doing, because there's nothing worse, is there, Lindsay and Gabby? Absolutely not. I don't know about that. That's fantastic. You need, you need your students to be paying attention. So if, if you are listening to this in a classroom, just put the podcast on pause, okay? Put the MP3 away. Put the MP3 player away. Do it, do it discreetly so that it's not obvious. And then just keep going and act like you know what's going on. That's, that's, that's right. what I suggest. So I'm, I am joined and I'm very happy and very excited because this is like a sort of transatlantic podcast today. That's right. Yes, it is. I'm joined by uh, Lindsay and Gabby from All Ears English podcast. And this is like a double podcast sort of uh, fusion. Yes. All uh, Ears English times Luke's English. Yeah. We're happy Ooh, to be like here. Thanks. Mega English <laughs> It's so unbelievable. Um, so yeah, explosion. Ha- English explosion. How does it feel to be on Luke's English podcast? Amazing, awesome, awesome. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, for your listeners, we are two people. Lindsay and Gabby is not one name. <laughs> yeah, Lindsay and Gabby. Yeah, two, two different, very yes. different. So, which one's Lindsay and which one is Gabby? So I'm Lindsay. Okay. And I'm Gabby. Sound pretty similar. <laughs> I know. I'll speak a little bit differently. Right, you do higher. I'll be lower. I'm Gabby. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll <do> our best. <laughs> could you just tell us where you are then, uh, Lindsay or Gabby or both? If you well, we want. are in the United States mm-hmm. in Boston, actually in Cambridge, which is right across the river from Boston. Yeah. But most people know Boston; it's a pretty big city. But then most people know Cambridge if you're familiar with Harvard, MIT, mm-hmm. some of these famous universities we have out here. Yeah. So this is where we make the All Ears English podcast together in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Yeah. It's very interesting that uh, Cambridge is the place in America where you have all your famous universities. That's right. Because, of course, in England we have Cambridge University as well. We should have been more original, I know. (laughs) I don't know. There's lots of these similarities, actually, between... Boston, England, I believe. Yes, yes, I I believe there is. Um, In fact, many place names in the United States and in Canada are replicated in the UK. 
um, right. which is very interesting. I suppose yeah. that's why you guys in movies, I mean, in American Hollywood films and things, when they show um, like a, a, a scene in London or something, they always have to say London, England, to, you know, in order to establish, it's like, oh, I thought it was London, Ontario. <laughs> I thought that was the Big Ben in Canada that they have in Canada, but um, that's, that's right. often the case, isn't it? I mean, there's Paris in America. You got uh, Paris in right. Texas. There, there is. There's I mean, Paris, just, Texas. I think we copy all the European names. It's we, just we, it's the style. We need to get our own flavor here, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, of course, you don't have Boise. Boise. Or... Do you have a Boise, England? As not as far as I know. You're missing out. <laughs> really? What's uh, where's Boise and Boise, Idaho? It's in Idaho. Idaho. Yeah, or Minneapolis. You know, we have some. Uh, you know, like Native American, meaning you know the Native Indians. Um, those kind of names are native to the U.S. Right. Like Minneapolis, Minnetonka. Yeah, there are a lot of them. Um, Even the word Manhattan Winnipeg, is originally isn't a yeah. isn't an Indian name. I, I think, think so. so. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So this, you know. Right? That that sort of Native American influence is still still there, very much so. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, let's see. You're both English teachers, and uh, I believe you've been teaching for you know about ten years or something like that. Is that right? Each, yeah, each. yeah. both of us have been teaching for ten years. Yeah, okay. more or less. That's All it. right, yep. that's cool. Um, and you now work in in as you said in an English school uh, in Boston. Well, I, yeah, I've been connected with uh, a university here in Boston um, for several years. And then, of course, both of us, we teach online. We have our own English instruction practices. And, and of course, yeah. the All Ears English podcast. Right. So yeah. we both have our own kind of teaching schools out beyond All Ears English. And we right. collaborate together with All Ears English. But those are separate projects. Yeah. Okay. I'm just trying to imagine sort of like your context. For, for me, I mean... Um, Let's see. When I was working in London, I used to work in this school called uh, the London School of English. And I was there and there was a teacher's room with like all my colleagues and we would all sit around between classes and we'd talk about, you know, how our classes were going and what the, what the students had been talking about and things like that. Um, yeah. it, do you have a similar scenario? I mean, I suppose the I two of you share too. your experiences quite a lot, I expect. We do because we're both yeah. physically in Boston, but yeah. now our teacher community is like with you and with our other mm. colleagues who do English instruction online and who have right. websites and podcasts. And so our teacher's room is really online, it's like yeah. Skype, Skype or, or whatever we use, email, Google, you know, it's, it's online, which yeah. is so cool. So it we're is. kind of turning the model upside down here, I think, a little bit, looking uh, towards the future. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So I suppose for our listeners, what this, this could be like, what they could consider this to be like is imagining that they are like a fly on the wall in an English teacher, uh, a teacher's room in a language school. You know mm. what I mean? So they're, mm. they're like in the teacher's room and the teachers are having a conversation about stuff. And okay. that's, I suppose, a kind of context for this. It's just that it's a, a virtual teacher's room. It's a very long teacher's room. Yeah. <laughs> One end of it's in, in Paris and the other end of it's in Boston. So yeah, yeah. there's a lot of water in this teacher's room. Is, <laughs> That's a lot of is water. There a, is there a leak somewhere? Uh -oh. <laughs> we, need to, we need to call someone about all the flooding in You're this You're so teacher. creative. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, teacher's room. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So you have students from 
uh, all over the world, let's say in, in your physical classrooms, do you have students from all around the world coming to well, the States? Well, in Boston, yeah, Boston is a very international city, and that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I came here, because mm. I loved walking down the street downtown and hearing different languages right. all around me, Spanish, Arabic, Portuguese, Chinese. I mean, you hear it all in Boston, Absolutely. and it's a very international city. Yeah. So we both work um, with academics, professionals, people here studying for PhDs mm-hmm. or scientists. MBAs, scientists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's our, our student group, right? I mean, Definitely. all over. I don't know if there's there's really not one nationality or yeah. one demographic. Okay. Yeah. For me, it's more about professionals, professionals right? Yeah. People who really don't have a lot of time necessarily to improve and they're under a bit of pressure. Yeah. They need to perform at work, whether that's in the lab right. or, you know, at a business meeting. Um, and me, Gabby, I, I, I work um, with more academic um, students, you know, maybe they're getting ready to apply to a degree program or working on academic writing. Mm-hmm. So we kind of represent those two different mm-hmm. focuses. So Gabby, you, you're saying that um, you work with a lot of uh, international students who've come to Boston because they want to perhaps um, study at one of the universities there and you're sort of doing pre-sessional kind of English work with them. Well, um, that's right. A lot of students will come here actually before they're accepted to a degree program because they want to improve their English first. They need to get a certain score on the TOEFL or the mm. IELTS and then work on their applications. And, you know, you might know the application period is so long. It's a year in advance. Um, yes about more or less a year in advance so a lot of students will, will come here you know uh, a year two years before their degree program might start just to work on their english right very yeah. similar to the the sort of context i was working in in london we had a very the, you know almost the same thing students would come uh, in advance of um, studying in a university in order to get their english up to the right level often they have right. to take an exam like the ielts test i don't know if you're aware oh. of that one. Oh yeah yeah Okay. Yeah. So, um, it's more popular here now. There's a lot of um, most universities will take both the TOEFL or the IELTS. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, so it's a very similar thing. So and Lindsay, sorry, just tell me a little bit about the students that yeah. you often deal with. Sure. So the students I deal with are mostly professionals, right? So I have some students who are scientists here at MIT, mm-hmm. um, some professionals who work in the banking sector in New York. I work with them on Skype or in person, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll meet with them at their workplace, sometimes at a Starbucks. But for them, it's really like they've been disappointed with what's happened with their English up to this point, right? right. Mm-hmm. With the old kind of classroom model, it just hasn't quite worked for them. Or maybe they thought that they had a great level of English and then they came here oh, and yeah. then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, I to give a presentation in front of my board and next week um, yeah. there's a lot of pressure there you know so I really empathize with them and I like to really you know get in the ditches there and help them that's interesting because that happens to my students too um, a lot of them in their home countries are in the super advanced honors English class getting perfect marks or grades yes. and then they come here to Boston in the U.S. and all of a sudden they take the placement test and they're shocked that they place into lower intermediate yeah. English yeah, because we know there's a difference between speaking and and you know a test. writing or, or absolutely yeah, yeah because the 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 standards in an academic institution in a country where English is very rare are going to be actually to be honest a bit lower aren't they like when you go into the 
you know, into the lion's den, as it were, when you actually go into that culture where English is the first language, suddenly everyone is a native speaker, everyone's talking at this super high level, and you realise, oh my God, I thought I was good, and I'm, you know, right. I need to start all over again. Very well, interesting. Infield changes. Pretty yeah. humbling, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And that really is, that's a great example of, the, of culture shock, isn't it? Right there, mm-hmm. immediately. Um, and that actually, that's one of the things I want to talk to you guys about, because uh, I'm sure that this is something that your students, my students, experience in, in quite a profound way, actually. Absolutely. Um, so I'd like to explore that a little bit. Um, let's see. All right. Just so on the subject of culture shock. Um, I mean, I've talked about this a bit on the podcast before. I think everyone basically understands what we mean when we're talking about culture shock. It's really the sort of disorientation that a person feels when they move or when they visit a new place. You know, it's like basically dealing with change, dealing with a change of environment and everything else. And Um, everything that that you knew about your life, like daily interactions, suddenly it changes. Yeah. And things are different. I think culture shock, sometimes it's... It's so shocking that you don't realize Mm. that you're having it. You just know that something feels different. And you might feel um, like maybe different emotions that are Mm -hmm. stronger than usual. Like you might feel really, really happy. Mm. Like, wow, this is a great place. But then you might feel like, oh, this is awful. I'm having a horrible time. Mm. But you don't realize right away why. Or it could manifest in the body, right? So often people will experience a sense of being tired Mm. and you don't realize that that might be a way that culture shock is manifesting. Mm. Yeah, Just speaking another language Mm -hmm. like all day, all the time is tiring, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways in which culture shock can affect you. I mean, for Mm -hmm. example, just um, differences, first of all, it's it's about adapting to change. So it could be a change of behavior around you, people just acting differently um the the values the general values in the culture that you're now living in um it could be that you know this culture thinks that certain things are more important than others for example like i live in france now um Mm -hmm. and um like okay timekeeping is an example Mm. of this in the uk we value timekeeping pretty highly we're not the top we're not the top of the list because probably the swiss uh, right the, 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 the clockmakers <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely the the, the swiss yeah. are famous for their timekeeping and it's true in my experience that uh, in a classroom uh, situation i might be you know as a teacher in london i would um, arrive in class and the the ones who are always there on time or even before me would always be the swiss you know that the, the different people would arrive in the classroom depending on their their um, relationship to timekeeping right. so the swiss would be there first the japanese the koreans would all be there german yeah. students would be there and then you get the sort of latin cultures coming in pretty uh, you know afterwards and then you get like a group a group of brazilians kind of wandering in they're being very loud and and, and upbeat and so on and uh, so it's very interesting to watch a kind of culture clash going Absolutely. on it's it's fascinating being an english teacher you can actually observe you know uh, these different cultures behaving um, in yeah. their own way um, but you said like the body it could be climate weather you know, oh, just, right. mm-hmm. just the weather difference. Um, but o- other things that um, we don't realize too, like the fact that um, the environment that you're living in might have different sort of bacteria in it. Oh, you know? wow. Like yeah. even, in the, even in the water, the water composition might be different. There's shock physically as yeah. well as yeah. uh, 
mm-hmm. mentally, emotionally, culturally. Yeah, that's an interesting one yeah. that, you know, it's not so obvious, but it's there. Yeah, right? lo- lo- that may, may be why people feel tired, because they're physically adapting to the different, uh, you know, physical environment around them. The the air quality is different. Um, the temperature is the ambient temperature tends to be or, different. Yeah, or well. maybe what's in the food, right? I mean, mm-hmm. in certain countries, I know in India, for example, they use a lot of ghee, right, which is yeah. butter, kind of butter. So I could imagine... I've never been to India, but if I went there, I might feel very heavy. Well, certainly, the, the food is it tends can be very rich, right? Uh, right. And and obviously, I mean, India is a great example that if you go to India on holiday, it's pretty likely you're going to get the Delhi belly, which is you know, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> they, they call it Delhi belly. It's obviously a kind of a I don't know if it's technically food poisoning, but it's certainly like gastric a gastric oh, problem no. that yeah. everyone experiences, and it just shows the locals don't get it because they've got they've yeah. adapted they've got the right level of bacteria in the gut. Right. Whereas uh, people westerners from different countries it's uh it can be wow. a shock have you been to india yes Luke? yeah i've been there a couple of times uh, wow and managed to avoid the delhi belly okay um, and but i did sort of you know i did feel a bit off color at times mm-hmm. uh, but generally i managed to avoid it but i mean india is just so different that uh, it feels like you've been slapped in the face when you arrive in that in that oh, in that country yeah. uh, for I'm me sure. it's, it's an incredible place it really is it's bewildering and and wonderful um right i want to talk about your experiences you have you lived abroad you two i think you have yeah, yeah. We, have. we both lived mm-hmm. in Japan um, at separate times mm. and we both traveled quite a bit. We, we both do you know, long term travel. So, you know, months at a time. Um, I mean, I'm sure. Well, I, I can speak a little bit about Japan and, and mm-hmm. also um, about Brazil. I think we mm-hmm. have we have, we have plenty of examples. Yeah. <laughs> okay, So you, you've both lived in Japan. You've yeah, li- yeah. Uh, who's that that I'm speaking to now? Is that you? Ga- is that Gabby? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was me talking about living in Japan. Yeah, so, Gabby, you've lived in Japan in Brazil. Lindsay, you've lived in Japan. That's right. So I've lived in Japan. I also spent about a year in Latin America. So going throughout, backpacking throughout. And I stopped in Argentina for three months and Guatemala for three months. Wow. Yeah. Brilliant. I've never been to South America. Oh, well, let's go. go. Uh, Yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go to let's go to the World Cup. Oh, my (laughs) God. It might be a bit late for that. (laughs) that's uh that's starting here i have this sort of weird idea that um somehow came up in one of my podcast episodes in response to an email that i'd been sent by someone from colombia which was that uh it's kind of a fantasy it's just a stupid idea that uh have you seen that film searching for sugar man no. Oh, yeah, Superman. Yeah. Wait. Uh, sugar. Sugar Man. Sugar, sugar Man. Man. Okay, it's like a documentary about a South African musician from the seventies who made a bunch of albums. Um, no, wait a minute. He's not South African. Sorry, that's a mistake. He's from uh, Detroit, uh, and he made a bunch of albums in the nineteen seventies. All right, and he didn't make it in the U.S. He just didn't get huh. famous. I don't know why. It's a mystery. We don't know why because he's brilliant. You know, his songs huh. were fantastic, but he. Um, somehow managed to get some distribution in South Africa, right? And he became a massive star in South Africa. Huge. He just, you know, captured the imagination of everyone at that time. But in Detroit, nothing. And he didn't realise for years. And in South Africa, they they were crazy about uh, this guy, uh, Rodriguez was his name. And um, he... uh, 
they never saw him. They never knew anything about him until eventually a fan decided to try and find out what had happened to him. They all thought he was dead. There was this rumour that he'd killed himself on stage during a performance. What? Yeah, it's a crazy story. It's brilliant. And um, they find... They managed to track him down. He's still alive, still living in Detroit. And they track... He's been working some menial, uh, you know, uh, blue-collar job. And they bring him to South Africa and boom huge success they you know they worship him there he's a massive star playing in stadiums and stuff oh that's interesting that amazing it's all about context making yeah. sure it's the right alignment yeah wow. so i've got this stupid idea that uh, if i go to like columbia i'll arrive at the airport and <laughs> it'll be, be like you know well, actually that reminds me of a culture shock point because when i lived in japan <laughs> I, I right i mean as uh, as someone who's not japanese you do get a bit of superstar treatment, especially, yeah. I mean, as an American. I mean, they tend to have a bit of um, yeah. obsession with uh, American culture, yeah. American mm-hmm. pop culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you do get a bit of the, the superstar treatment. Right. I mean, I wasn't playing in stadiums, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's in the language, too, right? The word sensei is equivalent uh-huh. to teacher, doctor, right? And it's, so yeah. all of a sudden you're given this elevated status, which, I mean, I'm speaking for myself. Yeah. I don't know that I deserve that status I was just out of college (laughs) and I was just a native English speaker and so it's sort of it's it's weird it feels weird yeah Yeah. I mean that's positive so okay that's one of the positive things you experienced in Japan is that you felt this elevated sense of status because they're all calling you sensei which for us is cool because we feel like sort of karate masters or something yeah you know like they're all kind of ah teachers you know uh, Luke sensei they used to call me yes I was like yes that's right I'm a Jedi master now Uh, yeah absolutely um yeah just your different status right or status um, (laughs) which is yeah another difference um but yeah there's so many different shocks um i had in japan i mean one thing that i noticed right away was just the um personal space difference and what i mean is for example, um, touching, like uh, we we hug as a greeting if you know the person or shake hands. Um, it's kind of an obvious example and the, the Japanese bow. But I also felt the difference like when I went to the convenience store and I, I would go to the cash register and pay for uh, whatever, you know, my soda or snack. And then um, instead of handing me my change, you know, hand-to-hand contact, mm. the, um, the clerk would put the change in a little plastic tray and then kind of slide the tray over to me and there would be no contact (laughs) yeah and if and you I, if you try and take sorry if you try and take it from their hand it's like no 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 but it, it, right. it goes in the tray in the tray please the tray, yes so it's this very small example it's a small thing but I felt something different the there. gaijin disease yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yes. I like, yes. that's right the gaijin gaijin is the Japanese word for foreigner basically yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. alright that's that's a great example yeah that's brilliant um, yeah, th- oh sorry go ahead no, I was going to say we could I'm sure we could list loads of things about living in Japan that were different to I mean, do you have anything else to, to tell me? Yeah, I could share an example of culture shock that I experienced in Guatemala. Did mm. you would you be interested That's, in that? Absolutely, so, yes. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to learn Spanish during my time in Guatemala. It was my last mm. three months in Latin America. And I said, this is it. Time to get down to business. Let's yeah. make sure I go back to the U.S. fluent. So I didn't want to go to Sheila or... Um, 
Guatemala City because I would just hang out with Americans, right? Mm. So I decided to go to Totonicapan, which is this random town no one's ever heard of. <laughs> it's uh, half an hour outside of Jela in the highlands. Um, right. And so I showed up and I found a place to stay with like local people. These guys were um, a traditional Mayan community. Wow. So traditional dress. They spoke Quiche. Wow. I believe that was Quiche in Spanish, but Quiche. And it was just like, wow, very intense. <laughs> and so this is where the culture shock came in for me. I was struggling with some existential issues, yeah. um, some stuff related to my love life, some identity things going on for me. And mm. I had no one to talk about it with because oh. if I were to go and bring up that, first of all, it's something I couldn't talk about with this really conservative community. Yeah. And it's also something that they're not, it's like you have certain problems in your life that might not be relatable from the perspective of someone else yeah. right sure. for them it's like a manner of an issue of survival you know they're yeah. dealing with yeah. making sure they can you know just get on every day yeah. and i'm talking about my identity and existential stuff so i felt really isolated really lonely mm. and that contributed to a downward spiral for me oh yeah yeah uh, did, did, uh, what happened did you get sick or, or no something? i was okay I, I mean it makes it sound so like grave so. no it's no. true it's true it feels like that yeah. So that's, that's interesting, though, because when you go to a new place, it does take time to connect with people and have have those people you can talk to. I mean, I think that's part of culture shock, too, is just being like on your own. Mm. I mean, if you travel alone, right, some people travel with their families or their partners or whatever. But um, I mean, this is part of the shock, right, of going somewhere new. Usually you're on yeah. your own. And exactly. it's like, it's yeah. intense. It's yeah. very intense. I guess often um, people who go abroad um, they often do it to study and if you're doing it to study then you're probably quite young probably in your early 20s or something and you're not necessarily experienced enough to be able to deal with a big change like that I mean for example a lot of students who come to school in London they might it might be the first time they've ever been abroad it might also be the first time they've ever been away from their parents you know I mean mm -hmm. in in England it's very common when you go to university that you leave you leave home at that point you know people don't yeah. study university in their hometown they leave and they go to a different town yeah. like I left home when I was sort of 18 19 years old and I went to live in Liverpool and that was a massive culture shock or, already <laughs> it doesn't have to be international it, it, culture right. shock can yeah. exist in many different scenarios uh, yeah. within your country it can also exist when you go to a new workplace because mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah. right know, because we have different cultures right exactly. work culture gender culture anything exactly so companies have like their own company culture that you have to adapt to so it's exactly the same experience just different sort of levels of intensity of it um your guatemala experience sounds like a pretty extreme one actually yeah i sort yeah. of made that sound more intense than it was but i think in the moment it was really intense yeah. you know now it's not a big deal but then it was hard oh yeah one thing that reminds me of uh is when you go to a new place sometimes the um because you were saying it was kind of a conservative culture, mm -hmm. and in my experience um, has been sometimes the um, gender relations, like how do you interact um, with with a male or with a female? Because my first experience really living abroad, I also lived in the Dominican Republic, wow. and um, the male female relationships are quite quite different. Um, I experienced a lot of uh, at least uh, walking down the street, I would hear this strange noise that sounds <laughs> like this. Oh, yeah. and I was like, "What is that? What, what's happening? I don't understand. What do I do?" And, and I really, 
I really didn't know how to deal with that because Americans don't do that. Yeah. You don't oh. you don't make noises like that. Um, mm. you know when you try when you're trying to get someone's attention. And so I didn't know how to respond. I didn't know should I uh, ignore it? Should I yell at them? Should I run away? I don't know. That's very tough. Yeah, it's a very tough call at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got lots of friends here in in Paris who sometimes experience the same thing. There's a lot of communities from all sorts of places in the world, but certainly Caribbean communities living here. And the girl, like I've got American female friends who experience the same thing from the sort of Caribbean guys that uh, might kind of follow them around in the streets. And it feels, I think, for them to be very threatening and and scary because they think, yeah. well, you know, if basically from our point of view in england probably in america too if someone follow if a stranger follows you down the street that's really scary it doesn't yeah. normally happen yeah. i think probably you think you're gonna get robbed yeah, <laughs> you think, yeah they think this person is yeah. gonna rob me yeah that's really frightening but I, I imagine in some places that you know that's a fairly normal interaction i don't know uh, i can't say for sure but i suppose it's fairly sort of standard uh, behavior in some I places think, yeah. Yeah, yeah i think that's the issue with culture shock is normal is a completely subjective right. issue it's you don't so know different. you just don't know i think that's what culture shock comes down to that's exactly. right exactly <laughs> it's all about normal normal is a sort of um a level zero and so, normal can, can oh, move oh, around it changes and you have to like oh god where's normal and you don't realize um, right. um what about your students who who uh you meet in the u.s who have come from different countries do they have any common issues that the you know they talk about I mean, there's a ton of issues, but one thing that we've noticed um, that really applies to everyone would be um, just the way that people greet each other. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I've noticed with my students that, you know, even if they're running a bit late or, or pressed for time, yeah. they'll still take a moment. If they see someone they know in the street or on their way to wherever they're going, they'll still take a moment to stop and say, hello, how are you? And greet each other because it's just such an important um, way to show respect. Yes. Yeah. And a similar story from a student of mine who's from Brazil, but who's working in New York. Um, He thought it was very weird that when he got in the elevator of his apartment building, um, people didn't greet him or didn't make eye contact with him, right? These business Yorkers are kind of all business staring straight ahead Um, and that so it's like when social interactions don't kind of match up with what you're used to and when that language it's just it ends up being kind of uh, a sense of loneliness right yes I've got a good example of that that in London um, I used to live in a a large apartment building with like you know 200 apartments in it so obviously lots of people sort of moving around the building up and down in the lifts together and so on and my girlfriend is French and when she would come and visit me at the weekends you know we would just often pass people in the building and in London it's pretty normal to just sort of leave people alone you don't you don't have to say hello and it's not right. it's not yeah. rude in fact it's we consider that to be kind of cool that you're just like <laughs> you know you're okay you're in your world I'm in what my world right. there's no obligation right. we don't have to like go out of our way to say hello to each other we have a shared yeah. understanding that we yeah. don't you know we can just coexist without having to say hello and have small talk and so that I think is quite quite cool it's kind of like yeah people just we live in the building and you know if and if there's like a reason for us to talk then things are perfectly friendly and cordial 
you know like for example if there's um, a party going on in the building and it's making lots of noise and like my neighbor is in the hallway like checking it out i might go out in the hallway too and i'll see my neighbor and immediately we're on like the same level we're like oh so they're having another party again great you know (laughs) rather than sort of saying oh good evening um you know it's it's not formal from the beginning it's it's quite informal so there's like this shared understanding that we don't need to do the formal greeting stuff you can just go straight into the you know the informal stuff because we you know we've gone beyond that kind of informal stuff but my girlfriend is like the people in your building are so unfriendly Mm. They never say hello to each other, and I'm like, no, they're not. They're really cool. It's great because yeah. everyone so, understands that we don't need to do all that hello stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think that's why it's really important to understand a culture and the cultural values before you move to that country. Because, right. You know, we know, and we can really understand what you're saying because here in the U.S., privacy is a huge cultural value. Like we value privacy. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's why we don't necessarily have to say hi to everyone we pass on the street if we know them or something like that. Yeah. So you're coming from another country and you come into the U.S., you might automatically make that judgment. Americans aren't friendly or Bostonians aren't friendly, right. but actually there's something else going on that we should know about. Or you might wonder, you know, if, for example, your your French girlfriend, she might think, oh, is there something wrong with me? Why aren't people talking <laughs> to me? Right? But it's not It's not that. It's just a cultural difference. So well, if you can actually, understand act- Actually, she yeah? never, she's never thought that there's anything wrong with her she in fact oh. she thinks it's <laughs> she thinks there's something wrong with 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 just the with britain i suppose yeah. <laughs> you know, she's like what's wrong with these people <laughs> which sure, is yeah it's, it's easy to think yeah. right if that's not the norm for you yeah. yeah that's another aspect of culture shock sometimes you feel lonely like you're the different one you're the one who's doing everything wrong but then at other times when you've sort of um uh you know adapted a little bit you can get fall into that trap of thinking well i'm okay okay, everyone else is so wrong and stupid. That's What's wrong right. with these people? Yeah, you know? that's, exactly. a, that's a fairly common thing because you, you adapt to a certain level of working normality, but there are mm-hmm. still some things about the host culture that you don't understand. And so right. it's quite easy to start to uh, conclude that these people are ridiculous. You know? That's very common. I had that experience too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we all go through that at, at some points. And I mean, just to offer some advice, I think there's two things that you can do at that point. Mm. I mean, one is obviously to try to learn more about the culture by talking to people or maybe reading online mm-hmm. yeah. or listening to the All Ears English podcast. <laughs> at Luke's English yes, podcast. yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. But um, another thing is, you know, just try to um, refocus instead of thinking all the time you know like oh these people are just ridiculous try to think about what you're grateful for what do you like in that culture you know for example like when i was in japan i was thinking oh japanese people i don't understand them you know it's better if i can kind of rephrase and think wow i really love living in japan because the food is great and the people are so respectful and there's so many beautiful temples i can go see so Mm -hmm. just like focus on the positive to get through those rough spots yes and Um, yeah yeah go on go on Sorry, sorry, Luke, didn't mean to cut you off there. That's right. Yeah, and also as Gabby says, know where you are um, within kind of your progression. I mean, what you were just talking about, there are like actual frameworks that people have studied in academia. Yeah. And I'm not going to bore our listeners by looking at this, but people have done research on this, on the stages that you go through. Yeah. And one of the things that we just mentioned, like, I'm okay, you're not okay. It's yeah. just like the beginning of like a five-part stage, it's right? It's like stage two so, or and, something. Yeah, yeah, and not everyone progresses 
you know, systematically through the stages. We might go back. We might not go back. Some people argue the stages don't even exist, right? But mm. the point is, like, know where you fall within a framework and know yeah. that it's normal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I am actually going to bore my listeners by going through that stuff at some point. <laughs> okay. no, don't worry, that's fine. I, I normally sort of go on and on. I think my listeners, sort of, they, my listeners have worked out that if they just, you know, they can just opt out whenever they want. But it's a podcast, right? I mean, that's the whole point is that uh, sure. it, um, if you're listening to it on your iPod or whatever, that if it's a podcast, it'll, it'll remember where you are and you can just carry on listening from where you left off. Obviously, it's ridiculous if an episode is 100 hours long that's just stupid but um what was i going to say i was going to say yes i will go through some of the stages that uh, uh psychologists have 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 identified in culture shock i was just going to say one other thing about how to um manage uh, uh culture shock or or culture uh, like change management or whatever you want to call it um that there's always a good reason there's always a good reason behind um, you know behavior that you don't understand mm. and it's always good to remember that that people aren't just stupid and just doing things for right. no reason there's always a pretty good reason behind it you know right. um, I mean like let's see I mean we could probably look at the Japanese as an example mm. like um, I mean like some Japanese behavior can seem to be pretty weird to us but there are deep reasons behind you know everything the Japanese do and it's oh, important yeah. to respect those things and not jump to conclusions you know um, I mean one example would be for example okay in in the in the Arabic speaking world mm -hmm. it's quite common to be super generous you know, like if you if you um, it's super generous and and very hospitable. Um, like if you go to an Arabic uh, uh, person's home, um, then they'll be really really hospitable to you and very generous, and they'll give you food and they'll give you coffee and everything like that. And I've heard that the reason for that is because traditionally in that culture. Um, you know, it was just, uh, there's a lot of sort of desert area. The environment is pretty tough. If you um, are outside and um, you don't have a place to stay, you might not make it through the night. And so the culture has developed that people will um, look after each other. You know, they welcome uh, travellers or visitors into their home because they, they know that uh, back in the old days, it could have been a, a matter of life or death. Um, Absolutely. And, and the thing about um, offering something... If you make a, a, if you give someone a compliment, like, oh, I really like that, uh, you know, I really like that cup. That's a lovely cup. Then they'll say, ah, oh, please take it. It's your, <laughs> it's, it's yours now. Please have the cup. Oh. Please, you must take the cup. And you're like, no, 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 really, no, no. I just, I just, uh, I just thought it was a nice cup. No, no, it's now it is your cup. You like to cup, you please. You and have then, to be careful what you say you like, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you you have to accept it at that point. Oh, know? my goodness. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting because for us, that's just a way to establish a connection, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like we're asking we for the cup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're just like, oh, I really like your cup. And you go, yes, yes, that's right. It is a good cup. I, yeah. My cups are brilliant, aren't they? And then <laughs> and then it's customary for you at some point to say, hey, I really like uh, I really like your your uh, your cups as well. I think your cups are good too. And then we're like, we're both standing with a bit of distance, kind of go, your cups are good, my cups are good, or the, the everything, everyone's cups are good. We're united in a shared admiration for each other's cups. I don't know why it's cups. It could be anything. It could be anything, but why not? <laughs> it's a funny example. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, have you, okay, finally, just to finish this off, have you ever experienced a reverse culture shock? 
Well, that's oh, interesting yeah. that you mentioned that because Absolutely. we actually had someone on the show, Kate Brubaker, yeah. uh, a few months ago, and this is a real thing, re-entry. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem with re-entry is that people often don't realize that don't plan for it because they don't yeah. think it'll happen. They don't think it's real. They don't mm-hmm. think it exists. They think, oh, I'm going back to my home country, mm-hmm. so I, I'm at home there and yeah. I'll be fine, but not necessarily, right? So um, have you? Oh, yeah. For me, especially um, after coming back from the Dominican Republic and coming back from Brazil, mm. um, I, I lived much more simply uh, in those places. Um, I'll just go with the Dominican Republic as an example. I, I lived very simply. I ate a lot of uh, local food, meaning mm. rice and beans and plantains, very little meats, um, just very uh, simple, very um, affordable food because I was I was really living, you know, as uh, a student would in the Dominican yeah. Republic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so when I came back home, I just found the American cuisine to be mm-hmm. excessively, um, you know, fatty and, and overly sugary, you know, sugary yeah. and unnatural. Oh. And the portion sizes were huge. I mean, the portions are big in the Dominican Republic too, but the food is, is more simple. You don't mm. have all of the mayonnaise or whatever we put on yeah, food too here. intense, right? Just too yeah. intense. Yeah. So it was, it was actually a good thing because then coming home, um, I ended up cooking more like uh, a Dominican woman. Yeah. I, I cooked a lot of rice and beans, and that's actually quite healthy and saves me a lot of money. <laughs> that's the cool thing about traveling. You can pick up aspects of the culture and create your own whole culture at home. Yeah. yeah. That's one yeah. Well, yeah, I was just going to say that that's apparently one of the, I mean, there are various outcomes to the yeah. process of adjusting to, to living in a different culture. And apparently, I, in my opinion, the best one, the, the best outcome is to sort of learn to adapt and to adopt even the best of both yes. worlds. Yes, definitely. So you, you learn, for example, to cook like the Dominicans do, but yeah. you also learn to be on time for meetings like the Swiss are. You, know. <laughs> yeah. so you end up becoming like the ultimate person who's just like used all. Maybe that could be a superpower, you know? You know, you've got like the. <laughs> that intercultural person. The cosmopolitan. Intercultural man, you know? Or, wo- or woman. Um, it could be superhero. That's going to be my X Men power. I'm going to some some people can (laughs) some of the X Men can control ice and things like that. Very useful, I'm sure. But I'm going to be able to adapt to any culture. That's my that's my superpower. I love it. Oh dear. Okay, I think on that note, it's probably a good point to uh, to stop the interview. Although I'm having a lot of fun. Us too. It's great. Well, we must do this again at some point. I think it's probably... uh, It's it's like dinner parties, you know? Uh, The first person is the host, and then the other one has to return the favour, and you keep going like that. That's the way it works. That's right. Thank you so much. We will have you over soon. Yeah. Again? Again. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Yeah, well, whenever you you deem it appropriate, then, you know, I'd be more than glad to talk to you again. Definitely. We have one thing we wanted to mention for, for your audience. We made a, um, well, Lindsay made a little. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, on this topic of intercultural skills and getting to know people in different cultures, that we've actually created an ebook just for your audience. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, and the title of the ebook is Four Ways to Make American Friends. So they ha- if they happen to be in the U.S. wanting to work on their language and cultural skills, mm-hmm. um, they can come over and download this ebook. And it's at allearsenglish.com slash Luke. Oh wow, L- my name? Wow, yes. that's um, for that's you, really... it's for your audience. So all, yes. All is English uh, dot com oh. slash forward, Luke. forward slash Luke. Okay. That's right. 
Um, I'll put that link on my site as well, and that's where my, that's where my listeners can go and check out your ebook, which is yep. all about um, cultural. How to make American friends. Yeah, yeah, how to become a cultural superhero. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, fantastic great. stuff. Okay, great. Lovely to talk to you. You yeah. too. Thanks for having us on. That was fun. It's that a was pleasure. a great conversation. Yeah, and uh, I'll speak to you again soon. Have a lovely day. You too. Thank you. Okay. Bye. All right, bye for now. Bye. Hi, I hope you enjoyed that uh, conversation. I did just say that I would now go into all the details of the different stages of culture shock, but I've decided, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not. That's because this is Luke's English podcast and I can, I make the rules. I can say one thing. I can do another thing. It's my, it's my house. Okay. All right. So I'm not going to do that now, uh, but uh, I will do that in an episode soon i know i say that kind of thing all the time but um i think it's a really interesting subject so i hope to talk to you about the different stages of culture shock soon i hope you enjoyed my chat with uh, Lindsay and gabby they're great it's nice to actually find out a bit more about them and get to know them a bit better and see that actually we've got loads of things in common and that we've had uh, some similar experiences and stuff like that um, so do check out their website allearsenglish.com you can find a link to that ebook that they mentioned um, you can find that link on my website my nice new fresh looking website which I'm still working on uh, but for this episode it's pretty much goodbye and uh, if you are having cultural experiences similar to the ones that you heard about in this episode let us know let me know Leave a few comments below this episode uh, and tell us your stories. If you've lived in a different country and you've had some um, problems or experiences of having to adjust to a different way of life, tell us about it, won't you? I'd love to hear from you. Okay, that's it for this episode. Speak to you again very, very, very soon. But for now, it's goodbye. Bye, bye, bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, you can visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.